Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. At Keystone Elder Law, we are trying to shield the middle class from the costs and the challenges of getting older. And we do that by anticipating specific and predictable threats. We address those threats once once we identify them, once we look at your particular family circumstances. Uh, we address the threats using estate planning tools for the most part, such as a power of attorney, a will, certain kinds of trusts. We also use tools provided by Medicaid law to help people get benefits to pay for certain kinds of long-term care. So this identifying of threats is important, and regular listeners of this show know that I discuss declining health. I discuss the cost of long-term care. I specifically discuss dementia. These are very predictable and statistically likely threats in the future for most people in central Pennsylvania. Some of you may have listened to episode six a few weeks ago. It was entitled A Deep Dive on Dementia, and that my guest on that episode was Dr. Rollin Wright of Penn State Hershey Medical Center, and she talked a lot about what's happening in the brain of a person with dementia and how to understand the behavior of someone with dementia. And I do recommend you go back and, and check that out if this topic is of interest to you. Uh, you can find the previous episodes of the show in a couple different ways. One is to go to whp580.com and go in the upper left-hand corner. There's an, a menu, and if you choose podcasts, you'll find the Later in Life Planning Show. And episode six was with Dr. Wright. But we're going to stick with that uh, and some of the other ways, of course, you can find it on on your iHeart app on your phone or your Spotify app or your Apple Podcasts. Any podcast app also has the Later in Life Planning Show. And do me a favor, if you find this content to be helpful, if you find this to be informative, let us know and give us a five-star rating because that will help other people find it. But we're going to continue with the idea of dementia as, as a specific threat and and something that, that people should not only know is it's predictable because one out of every three people, according to the Alzheimer's Association, will experience dementia in their lifetime but it's also an area where there are a lot of good resources. So today we're going to look at, at dementia from a different perspective, featuring memory care. And my guests today are two fantastic certified dementia practitioners from Artists Senior Living of West Shore in Lemoyne, Pennsylvania. Even if your family's healthy, nobody has dementia, you're still going to want to listen to this because wouldn't it be nice to know what to look for? What might be uh, helpful if if d- a dementia emerges? The signs, the resources, that's what we're going to talk about today with my guests from Artists Senior Living of West Shore. And I can say without hesitation that Artists Senior Living of West Shore is a wonderful resource for education and for care if you have a loved one with dementia. I know this is just Patrick Cawley speaking, but I know that Dr. Wright and some other people agree with me on this. The number one factor behind good memory care for a person with dementia is the compassion and training of the staff in the memory care community. And I know from my experience as at Keystone Elder Law and from feedback I received from my clients that Artis is known in this area for assembling an all-star cast of team members who understand dementia on a very deep level and are extremely committed to providing the best possible life for people who are going through that journey. 
So I have asked Maureen Elliott, the Director of Community Relations, and Serenity Hoke, the Director of the Artist Way Experience, to join me to discuss memory care and the dementia journey. Maureen and Serenity, thank you for your time and for sharing so generously your your expertise today. Thank you so much for having us, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Very happy to be here. So I've already used this term that that I've, you know, I've heard you describe it as this journey that people are on, the dementia journey. Of course, this, you know, conjures an image in the mind of uh, of a road ahead, some, you know, maybe being prepared with with uh, how you're going to travel and looking, maybe there's even road signs along the way. But is this a, a helpful analogy or way that you have families look at, at dementia when you encounter them? Yes, it is a great way to describe it. And what you just said about looking out for threats, dementia is a threat not just to society as a whole, but it's very real for so many families um, who can relate to being faced with dementia. And so when you first encounter a family, how do you know where on the journey they are or how do you prepare them for the the journey that that, that you've seen other families go go down that the path they've gone down? Well, it's a discussion. Every family's journey is different. No one knows what to expect. And the best way we can help them is just asking a lot of questions and using empathy, um, finding out where they are on the journey. And it seems to me that there's different kinds of dementia. That's something that, that we've learned about on a previous episode, and maybe the symptoms show up differently so I guess every family's experience is going to be a little uh, uh, different. You know, it might be faster. It might be a faster trip for some than, than others and so forth. But why don't we start talking about some of the things that people can be on the lookout for? Sure. So you could describe it as, you know, previous to dementia coming into a family's life. Life is sunny. Everyone's good. Um, But eventually, they're noticing a little bit of fog rolling in. It's getting a little hazy. This is very early in the journey. But, you know, the family is realizing something has changed. They have a vague notion that something's not quite right with one of their family members. And they're starting to admit to themselves that there's a sense that there's a future need. And they're going to need some help. Um, Serenity, would you talk a little bit about what signs we can watch for? Absolutely. So uh, things to look for in your loved one would be um, the memory loss that they might be experiencing starts to affect their daily abilities, like, uh, you know, remembering to take their their medication or to refill prescriptions. Also, just difficulty um, completing everyday tasks such as laundry, preparing meals, etc., Um, It's not uncommon for someone that's dealing with dementia to struggle with some word finding issues. So maybe gets lost in a a conversation or in the midst of a thought. Um, Orientation to the day of the week, the time of the day. Um, It's very common for, for folks struggling with dementia to actually even have their nights and their days mixed up. So they'll, they'll be restless and anxious through the night, but then in the daytime, Um, they're restful and they're sleeping. Um, Also, something that you might want to look out for is impaired judgment. So, um, you know, making some poor decisions, whether that's financial, um, it's just so common. I've heard so many stories of of families coming in and to see us that their loved ones have been kind of swindled out of 
out of money through scams on, over telephone. So they're making decisions that maybe mom or dad would have never made before. Abstract planning becomes very difficult for someone that's experiencing dementia. So to be able to think uh, kind of in the future and be able to plan uh, things, whether it be like their daily, to plan their daily tasks or even um, preparing for their future becomes really, really difficult. And, you know, I've had so many people that have said, you know, I, I'm, I'm misplacing things. Does that mean I might have dementia? Well, yes and no. You know, so many, so many of us on a daily basis, I lose my pen and things like that. But when you're starting to misplace things that hold great value to you, things that you're very mindful of, like forgetting to put your glasses on in the morning, you don't know where your glasses are, your keys, these things that are very routine to you on a daily basis. And those things are starting to go missing or get misplaced. That would be a really uh, key sign that somebody might be experiencing cognitive loss. Yeah, as you're describing these, I'm thinking uh, many listeners might be saying this. That happened to me three times today, yeah. but some of the things. But yeah. you're describing when it gets into, you know, being especially susceptible to scams or uh, maybe not just not being able to place the name for a face, but like it doesn't come back. Right. It's not like you think about it and it's awkward and embarrassing. A few minutes later, you, it just yeah. doesn't come back. But you're talking about some pretty pronounced, and, and, right. and I guess the more of these, the more likely that it's worth looking into. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would say one of the the number one uh, flags for for families, and and we experience this so often, is behavioral or personality changes. So when when people talk about Alzheimer's care and uh, memory support and and the the impact on the family that it creates, um, I I've heard many families say, well I'm so I'm so concerned that my loved one won't recognize me anymore. That's a real that's a real pain and 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 worry for people. But I think what often gets missed is that um, me as the loved one, I don't recognize how how my loved one is behaving. And their personality changes. Somebody that's super kind and is all of a sudden becoming very temperamental and short-fused, that's a real indicator that there might be some cognitive impairment. This is interesting stuff. And, of course, there could be other things going on, but but we'll talk about what to do with this information when we come back from a break. And, of course, at Keystone Elder Law, we're, we're always looking to get out in front of these things and to have certain plans to protect yourself and your family, preserve money, and so forth. So we are at KeystoneElderLaw.com. More with Serenity Hoke and Maureen Elliott from Artist Senior Living in West Shore. In a moment, you are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I am your host, Patrick Cauley, and joining me today are Maureen Elliott and Serenity Hoke from Artist Senior Living of West Shore in Lemoyne. Before the break, uh, Serenity, you were you were listing off some of the signs that that family members can be on the lookout for, whether it's uh, whether it's misplacing items or uh, being susceptible to scams in a way that the person never was before, which might be a sign of impaired judgment. You were talking about. Um, really things that go beyond the normal cognitive aging where we all have senior moments i so so to speak eventually but but getting into real disruptions to the person's life so what more can you tell me about that and then what do people do when they start seeing these signs right 
Well, definitely, as, as I was saying, a personality changes where perhaps somebody might be uh, all of a sudden very short-tempered, uh, maybe using foul language, or even a person who had a real zest for life is all, already kind of starting to seem apathetic or um, kind of limiting themselves in, as, in regards to social engagement because they maybe don't feel comfortable any longer. Um, so they kind of start disengaging from a lot of social social activities and things. Yeah, and that again, I mean, we're you're, you describe the the beginnings of this journey that a family might find themselves on. You might encounter a family that's well along in the journey, but if people are are just starting out and they're looking for these things, I think at this point we don't yet know if it's dementia because, of course. Uh, we, we do know from other sources that rates of depression can go up uh, in older people. Isolation can happen for an any, any number of reasons. But, but I think if, if I'm hearing you, what I would be concerned about is, is this a compensating uh, behavior? Are they trying to uh, overcome what they're now seeing is, is uh, a pronounced change going on with them? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm thinking of a, a family just recently met with um, said, you know, my dad is is showing a lot of humor and using a lot of jokes. And, um, you know, that's why we actually missed this um, earlier, because he was kind of covering for the deficits with with excess, excessive humor. And uh, we see that often, just different ways people kind of compensate to your point and, and, and cover cover the the cognitive decline. Sure. And I would think, you know, avoiding social uh, uh, interactions would do the same thing because what if people can tell that I'm slipping up and I don't, I'm confused. I don't know why I, I'm misplacing things or I can't remember certain things. So sure, it, it could be compensating, but it could, you know, at this point in the journey, we don't know if it's that or if they're embarrassed or, or depressed or for some other reason. Absolutely. So, so how to, how to, what, what's your next recommendation? People see yeah. these things. They come to Artist Senior Living of West Shore. Um, you know, Maureen, if you're talking to them, if you're picking up on these things, you've heard this story before. So you want to figure out, is this dementia or is this something else? What's your recommendation to those folks? Yes. Yeah, so what we're going to focus on today is what's important at each part of the journey. And we're still in the early part of the journey here. And Serenity and I both agree Early detection and early response is the most important part of the early journey phase. And um, what goes into that? Dete- how do you go about detecting what is this? Is there a way to test for this? Right. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about get a diagnosis. You just said it yourself, Patrick, and you said it so well. We don't want to mistake just depression or apathy for actual the the beginning of dementia. So you need the professionals. Um, you need a full workup with a family doctor, a neurology consult, a dementia assessment. Many times, Serenity and I meet families, and it's very common for a family member to say, oh, they haven't seen a doctor in months and months or years, especially with the pandemic. Um, so it's time to see a doctor now um, and rule out other causes. So, okay. So, yeah. And, and I think that, that there are a number of options here. I mean, you, the, the family doctor probably has uh, some basic screening to do and they, they should be trained to look for this. This is part of what, what a family doctor would do. But of course, 
there are the neurologist or a neuropsych exam would be taking it to the next level. What other resources are you suggesting at this point in the journey where people have concerns and they can point to specific things? So I would say um, explore all your options. There might even be a memory care center so you can find out about that if it's affordable and you can travel to one. Get to a center of excellence for memory care. And look at, are your um, documents in order? It's really time, especially if there's a spouse involved, you really want to make sure that both people are taken care of. So start looking through any records at home and update everything as soon as possible. Well, I'm certainly on board with that. I mean, that's yes. a lot of what we're preaching all the time at Keystone Elder Law. I mean, if we've if you've gotten to this point and we hear this, I mean, you're hearing, oh, they haven't been to a doctor in years. We hear, oh, we, we you know, we prepared an estate plan in, you know, 1990 or maybe never. And without a power of attorney, you're you're going to have a real mess on your hands with, with getting into finances, with moving money around. If Medicaid ever comes into the picture for paying for care, uh, we need access to money, whether it's private paying or Medicaid. So, you know, in updating beneficiary designations, it goes well beyond the legal planning, just making sure that everybody knows, you know, what are the passwords to various things? Where where can you find having everything organized? Uh, I'm sure both of you have seen before where uh, the spouse who has maybe the beginning stages of dementia was always the one who managed the money in the family. And now the other spouse just feels completely helpless and, and set out to sea without a without a sale. It's pretty common. And now that we're on the road, when there is a new diagnosis, Serenity and I like to look at it like it's time to circle the wagons because it really does take a village to care for someone. Absolutely. At this time, we're, we're thinking about kind of making a plan and finding out um, resources and also even personal friends and family members that are going to kind of be joining the, joining you on that journey. Um, is so important. Um, obviously, as Maureen already indicated, getting uh, proper uh, physicians in place, um, elder law attorney, um, just surrounding yourself with professionals that really do understand um, what this journey is going to look like and, and, and are able to support the person and the family. It's a family disease. We say this all the time. It's, it truly impacts the family in every capacity. Uh, I've seen that as well. And I'm so glad you you phrase it as, you know, it takes a village because I, I've seen families who think that, you know, especially let's say, you know, couple in their late 70s and husband has uh, dementia and wife says, I, I promised him, you know, at the altar, I would I would look out for him in, in sickness and in health. And I, darn it, I'm going to take care of him, even if he has dementia at home. And then you start asking questions like, what if he falls in the middle of the night? He's much bigger than you. Can you pick him up? And, you know, do you understand that this is a 24 hour a day job when there are professionals who are specifically trained to do this? So maybe you can talk a little bit about caring at home versus caring in a in a memory care community like artists and and there are others throughout Pennsylvania but what what's the benefit of an, a memory care community as opposed to trying to do this at home sure so we call that the promise um, that's the guilt phase when you've already made the promise I'll I'll keep you here in your home forever but that promise was made before any signs of dementia you could never promise I will keep you with dementia forever. So some of the advantages right off the bat are going to be um, safety, having safety in a community. Um, another advantage is continuity because so many times we find even though you're building a care team, 
of professionals and friends and neighbors and relatives, um, it's so hard to get that continuity because dementia requires 24-7, you know, every day. And it's just exhausting for everyone physically, mentally, and emotionally. So community life allows a care team of professionals to take over um, that responsibility. One of my favorite things is when families will come to us after they've uh, brought their loved ones to us and, and they say, I can be a wife again. I can be a daughter again. And I haven't been able to be that for a very long time. And, and that's when we know we're, we're doing it right. And, and that's, those are the moments that we hold on to. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's the, as Maureen said, there's the promise that's made before anybody has any clue what, what it really requires. And the promise is bigger than, than just, I'll keep you in your house. The promise is, I will care for you and I will keep you safe. And there are, I mean, there are some pretty striking and depressing statistics about the the health effects on the family caregiver who tries to do this 24-7 job by themselves. And they're not sleeping because, as you said, people with dementia will often get day and night mixed up and they're up in the middle of the night so the caregiver never sleeps. So, I, yeah, this this continuity of care and, and uh, allowing other people to help with that. Um, although I would imagine there's still some guilt. We, we put this person in here, but the, but they eventually, you earn their trust. And that's mm-hmm. what I've heard from people who have had loved ones at artists where, and, and, and people who have use other skilled nursing facilities, even where they, they feel like I'm free to, to come and visit and really be my hundred percent myself with them and, and make sure, and they do, they continue to visit. So in any event, I didn't mean to, to cut you off there, but we'll, we're going to come back and talk some more about this, the, the promises made, and then really what's the best way to put together the care team and the continuity of care. We'll be back in a moment on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. This is News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. My guests today are Maureen Elliott and Serenity Hoke of Artist Senior Living of West Shore in Lemoyne, Pennsylvania. And before the break, uh, you were both talking about you know some of the benefits of of a community providing care, and I've seen this myself at Keystone Elder Law, where uh, that's a better plan for some families. Now, if they have an extensive uh, family uh, that's all local, they have lots of friends. I'm not saying it's not doable to care for someone at home because, of course, everybody wants to stay in their home, maintain their independence. They're, uh, you know, they're all where that's where their memories are, in fact. Uh, but, but there absolutely are situations where the argument can be made that that it is you're doing the most care by having someone in a in a specialized memory care facility. But Serenity, if I can go back to you, what? What are some of the other things that we haven't talked about in terms of a community being a better option over care at the home? Sure. So one of the things we often say is the outside world isn't dementia friendly. It just isn't. Um, and when our residents move into our community, we've, it's not uncommon for some of our families to say, wow, I, I think my I think my mom's getting better. Um, now, that's a real hopeful statement because we do know that dementia is a deteriorating condition and there is no improving it. However, when someone is given the supports of a supportive environment, such as a memory care community like artists, it really does aid in that person's um, 
opportunity to have the best day possible. They're uh, surrounded with other people that they can communicate with. There's not a fear of maybe saying the wrong thing because they have that comfort there. Um, it's it's not trying to stick a, a square peg into a round hole like outside of our uh, secure community. Right. And, and I've taken a tour of artists, uh, senior living of West Shore, and it really is. I mean, even down, I know that I have already said the most important thing is that you have very talented, committed, compassionate staff. But I was also very impressed that even the design of the building, you know, there are color schemes, there are, you know, ways to guide somebody to to trigger. Oh, yes, I live down this where we're down this hallway where the uh, where this color is and so forth. But there's a lot of social interaction. And I think that you know, especially with COVID, we realized that really perks people up. There's something that it's hard to put your finger on scientifically, I think, but there's something about interacting with people that goes hand in hand with with wellness. And uh, and especially if you're trying to tap into who you are and you're starting to lose some of that, I think other people can bring it out of you. Absolutely. We say all the time that the best medicine that our residents can have is engagement and and meaningful engagement and engagement that really speaks to their soul. We don't we don't do memory care. We do human being care and we get to know the residents and 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 are able to kind of craft programs that are really going to bring that out in them. And that's that's the positivity. And one thing I've noticed, too, is that uh, when you get into people who specialize in this area of caring for people, uh, they shy away from a term I hear in other settings, which is uh, the the term uh, care provider or or uh, you know caregiver. Instead, you prefer care partner, and and I've heard that from some others who work really uniquely with people who have dementia. So tell me why that that what's the difference? So we say we say care partner because caregiver really implies that uh, you're giving the care and the person is just receiving it, but. We really maximize on the independence of our residents, and we encourage them to participate in any care tasks. So this is actually, you know, us partnering with them to accomplish something. They're they're still a part of it. That's so important. You know, and I'm sort of uh, bringing up something I I just thought of, but it's and it's been a few years. But one of my first interactions, Maureen, with you ever was a few, you know, a while back, and you told me about a story of some of the the programming that you do, and it's trying to find the unique characteristics of the resident, the person living with dementia, and try to bring out something uh, that's unique to them. And there was, I guess, one instance where you put out a table with flowers because one of the residents, you know, before she became two artists, was uh, she worked in a flower shop. And so as soon as the flowers went out, went out on the table, everybody's trying their hand at, at organizing flowers. But she really just sort of emerged as like, oh, this is me, you know, and she she did her thing and it was beautiful. And there was another resident who his one wish before he passed away was he wanted to play one more game of baseball. And I guess he had been a baseball player, baseball coach, and you actually set up a diamond and everybody participated and and the guy was on cloud nine and and got to play one more game of, of baseball. That's the kind of thing that I mean, you made me a fast fan of artists, senior living by telling me stories like that. But it, but it just goes to to prove what what Serenity was saying that you know you're they have a role in this. They're it's just about bringing helping them bring out who they are and live life to the fullest despite this uh, this uh, often terrible affliction that dementia can be. Um, 
But maybe, Maureen, if I kick it back to you, tell me some of the things, because we've we've established this is a family disease. What what should, meanwhile, the, the people at home be doing, uh, the other family members, because they're affected by this? Sure. So at this point, when you're really on the journey and there are bumps in the road, um, you really want to encourage the family, the son, the daughter, or the spouse You want to let them know they're asking the right questions and they're doing the right thing. We talked about guilt before. And at this point, you know, there are resources available such as support groups um, for for family caregivers, um, caring for your loved one at home or in any setting. So take advantage of as much help as you can get. Um, It's an experience unique to you, but shared by so many others. And we find in our support group rather than us leading it. Um, really, the participants in our support group are truly guiding one another on the journey. They will ask each other questions, real-life questions, about, well, what did you do when your husband disconnected the Comcast that day? You know, real-life experiences. So we just really want to encourage families who are who are on the journey and experiencing the bumps in the road, reach out to others, find a support group if that's available to you. Yeah, and I think that the the experience I've heard many times from families dealing with this is, you know, the person with dementia now thinks that the uh, the, the the care partner. Now I'm watching my terms, but care partner in the room is is the spouse or is a child or you know they start they start uh, thinking that they're married to uh, the daughter and and how does that hit the the you know if it's the husband how does that hit the wife of several decades you know that's got to be hard but when you get into maybe talking to other spouses in the exact same position you start to hear the same story over and over again and then you feel okay this is this is just the disease this is not this is not my loved one that is such a relevant example of what families are experiencing, and it's become so specialized that Serenity actually found it beneficial to have an offshoot of just a dementia support group and have a spousal support group, because I may not necessarily know what that experience is like. My spouse doesn't recognize me anymore, how devastating, but as Serenity can attest, they can support one another if they've had that, ex- that common experience together. So right, so you're you're you really are treating the whole family, not just the person uh, with dementia, because by providing a resource like that, uh, you know, there's there's been this disease has caused harm to more than just one person. So you know, so what are some of the other challenges that are going to come up uh, for the family or for the person with dementia, and and how do you recommend uh, dealing with it once we're on this road? We know that it is dementia. I just think it's really important to get everyone on the same page. So many times um, there's one person, everything's falling on them. And just getting back to the point of that care team, one person can't do it alone, even if it's in a home setting. Um, But one person cannot have the entire responsibility. You have to really learn to accept help. Um, You have to lean on others, tap into their expertise, um, make it a supporting supportive environment for everybody, not just everyone is focused on the person with dementia, but to your point, Patrick, it's it's everyone involved. It impacts the whole family. You know, and when I've heard this this challenge come up in meetings that I've had with families, you know, they're saying, well, uh, mom definitely has uh, advancing dementia, but she, uh, you know, sometimes she seems to think it's an okay 
idea to go look at a community like Artis, uh, but other days she'll she'll get downright nasty with us, and it's just you never know what to expect. So the family is left in a situation where they're unplugging the stove because they don't want there to be a fire. They're they're you know barricading certain uh, doors that might lead downstairs. They're 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 just you know they're hiding things so just for safety. But you know then you're you're still in a situation where unless you can have somebody there every day, you don't want the the, the person with dementia skipping medication that might be necessary to save their life, or worse, taking too much because they forgot that they already took that day's dose. So even those you know pillboxes with the days on them isn't isn't sufficient. So. You run into all these kinds of problems, and it's just I keep coming back to uh, the community where around the clock there are professionals who are trained to deal with this uh, is an awfully good resource. So we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this in a moment. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host. Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I am your host, Patrick Colley. My guests today are Maureen Elliott and Serenity Hoke of Artists Senior Living of West Shore. They've given an awful lot of good information about signs to look for. If someone might have dementia, maybe some warning signs to get checked out early, and then some of the challenges that might be along that that dementia journey. And we're going to keep going with this, but I want you to know you can find more about Artists Senior Living of West Shore using their website, which is westshore.artistsseniorliving.com, or you can give them a call, 717-216-4479. Serenity, one thing that I'm curious about, and, and I think I've learned a little bit about this from you and some others at Artists, is a trend that is disturbing to me on a personal level, um, but but it has to do with the average age of the, the person who's coming to you. And some people might hear this and think, well, that's that happens to, to old people, but I think you've been seeing a trend where that's not necessarily the case. We certainly have. We have uh, cared for people in their mid-50s. Uh, 60s and 70s, um, more and more and more. Um, and it is, it's it's just, it's staggering to see how um, this was, it always was considered to be a, a, a disease for old people, right? But this is not the case. And, and this creates a whole lot of uh, difficult scenarios where um, people don't have their, their, they haven't even retired yet. There are some people that are still working. Um, they don't have all their finances kind of in order um, at this stage of their life. They they have children that they have not yet seen get married, and 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 that just creates a whole uh, a whole other um, kind of perspective to look at, and it's it's relatively heartbreaking. Yeah, and I see the the procrastination that people have anyway to to make sure their financial planning is in order, to make sure that their estate planning is updated. And that's, of course, where Keystone Elder Law can come in and help. But, you know, we, we're out here doing education like with this show, with workshops that people can register for on our website, keystoneelderlaw.com. Uh, I know that you uh, at Artists are out there doing all kinds of community education. But I think what you just said really, I hope, gets people's attention because we're not just planning for some theoretical thing that's that's way off in the future. It's it is hitting people at at younger ages, um, and something to be aware of. 
But, you know, I don't, this is not all doom and gloom, of course, because the reason we're talking is that Artist Senior Living is such a wonderful resource, and there are other resources across Pennsylvania, across the country, uh, that that probably have, you know, it's been, it's been trial and error, it's been learning better and better ways to care for people who are afflicted by dementia. So, Maureen, maybe you can talk to that point of, you know, aren't we better off anyway? I mean, there's, we, we still don't have a cure for dementia, um, and I don't know if we ever will. There's so many different kinds and so forth. But aren't we better off at least? Uh, hasn't hasn't the care per, that can be uh, given and, and shared with, with people with dementia come a long way? That's right, Patrick. There is an upside here. We talked about some very serious matters today. But if you think about it, compared to 10, 20, 30 years ago, we as a society have learned so much to be able to better care for someone with dementia. Anyone who has um, been in healthcare has seen the progression, has seen all the changes where um, it, it used to be very institutional. And now we recognize that it has to be more of a home-like environment to provide the best care. It has to be something familiar and something friendly and not institutional. Um, So really, when you're thinking about all of these considerations, the upside is that we are so much better equipped than we were, you know, someone that got dementia years and years ago versus someone that's being cared for today with um, all the education that we have. And we've learned how the, the best approach and to give the best care. And I'm sure over the time, you know, because I've I've spoken to a number of people who are sort of in this uh, this world from one perspective or another. I mentioned Dr. Rollin Wright. I mentioned uh, some people I've met through her. That you know, there's one national uh, national expert, uh, Tipa Snow, whose ideas are very influential. We're all sort of learning as we go along the best ways to provide the most dignified, uh, independent life for someone who has a brain disease and is is being. Uh, uh, slowly affected, but but increasingly affected by this. Um, but but is does and maybe I'll come over to, to serenity for this. Is is there a particular philosophy that you can put your finger on today that artists and others have that that goes to giving the best possible care? Um, absolutely. So we believe so much that we can't care for the residents if we don't know who they are and what matters to them as people. So knowing them and creating a community around them uh, versus 20 years ago, 10 years ago, where we just tried to take a person with dementia and kind of acclimate them to our routine and our normal. Um, And I just feel like we do that so well at artists it's so it's so, it was so thoughtful going into the philosophy so um we we say all the time that the t of artist stands for treasuring each person's uniqueness and and just a, a short little story we had a resident that had moved into with us a couple of months ago and he was proud of he had a little tattoo on his arm because he was a marathon runner and he loved to to run to run marathons we had a little little tattoo on his arm and we thought we, we were having a little bit of a difficulty connecting initially. And we thought, how can we get him really engaged? How can we have a lot of fun with him? So so we actually created a little tattoo parlor uh, where all the residents could line up and get like li- little fake tattoos on, on their arms or wherever they wanted. And we had so many residents that said, oh, I always wanted one of these and I never got one. And they got to pick what they could, they could be. But, you know, we had a, we had a resident um, also that had moved in and he was a he was a um uh 
CEO of his own construction company. And he built buildings all around Pennsylvania. And he was he loved to be so, so working with his hands was so important to him. And we had a resident moving in that wanted her room, her suite painted purple. And uh, we said, why don't we why don't why don't we get this guy to do it? So he actually painted this 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 suite in, in the most beautiful way, and and, and he probably had, loved every he minute loved of it, every second of it. And honestly, he was he was so meticulous about it. It was so thoroughly done. It was just incredible. And uh, again, it's it's we love we say all the time we love changing the way the world thinks about dementia and. Th- you know, what they think this looks like, you know, um, that a person has dementia. So that means they can't do this or they can't do that. And we we love to say that's not true with the right supports in the right environment. They can they can do all of those things. And uh, we see so much, you know, just um, people as as they age, when they start losing things or roles that they had, um, that they start feeling a sense of purposeless purposelessness, you know, and um, I don't, I don't, I don't feel as valuable anymore. And so, so we're trying to kind of infuse our residents with that value, with that purpose. You're still making a difference in somebody's life. And, and that is, that is the real game changer, I feel like. And I am so thankful to be part of, of artists and the philosophy that we uphold. That is fantastic. And I so appreciate not only the sort of technical resources and the technical way to go about things, but sharing these, these stories and, uh, that that tells more than than I could ever describe with words. Just some of the about your approach, and uh, this can be an awfully gloomy subject. But stories like that show that you are providing hope, and you're looking for the bright side, and I'm trying to truly improve people's lives for you know the whole family's lives. So you know, I, if you take this information, I and and you think about it. One thing that I would want from Keystone Elder Law's perspective for everybody to take away from this is. Don't pres- don't procrastinate on the time you have with your family, but also planning uh, for the future. There are specific threats. Dementia is one of them. Other declines in health happen. Higher levels of care happen, and sometimes they're expensive. But with careful planning, your estate plan and other types of planning, financial planning, can really make things go more smoothly for the whole family well before you would know that you're on this dementia journey. I would strongly encourage people to check out more information from Artist Senior Living of West Shore. Their website, again, is westshore.artistseniorliving.com, and their phone number is 717-216-4479. We at Keystone Elder Law, we can be found at keystoneelderlaw.com, 717-697-3223. We do offer a number of free online educational workshops that focus on things like middle-class estate planning and asset protection. We talk about how will you pay for long-term care, because there's all kinds of things you can be doing in addition to gathering such valuable information as we learned today from Artist Senior Living. There's information you can gather to start making plans for your money, your finances, and make everything go smoothly for your family when predictable challenges come along. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show. This is a a labor of love, and and I thank Maureen and and Serenity for joining me. Thank you both. Your your stories and your information were wonderful. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much. So join us next week for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. You're listening to News Radio, WHP 580.